if you ache for truth, goodness, and beauty, if you're hungry for a Christianity with substance and strength, if you long for a faith that's big and bold and biblical and all about Jesus Christ, if you're inspired by the idea of one church that has spanned 20 centuries, 24 time zones, and two hemispheres, enfolding every race, nation, and language, then you're considering Catholicism. Welcome to Considering Catholicism. I'm Greg Smith, your guide to the faith, life, and civilization that is historic Catholic Christianity. If you're a regular listener to the podcast, then you've gotten to know my Protestant friend, Ed. Ed and I used to work in the same evangelical, non-denominational, contemporary church for many years. Eventually, I left to join the Catholic Church, and Ed stayed behind. But about a year ago, Ed reached out and told me that he was becoming intrigued by Catholicism, and he was curious about why I had chosen to enter the church. <laughs> Actually, our first conversation about it came because he had jokingly rewritten the lyrics to this standard Protestant hymn, The Church is One Foundation, in a way that humorously expressed his growing frustrations with the evangelical church world. He sent it to me as a direct message on Facebook one night, and, well, that got us talking. So, for a couple of months, we met in a Mexican diner, and over tacos, we'd talk about the church. After a while, I suggested that we start recording our conversations and put them on the podcast. And these have become our Church Chats with Greg and Ed episodes. Since then, a lot of people have asked me about Ed and what's he going to do? After all of this investigation and consideration, is he ever going to pull the trigger and become Catholic or not? So I asked him. He and I sat down and he shared where he's at. We compared our stories, and then he asked an interesting question. How Catholic can someone be without them actually becoming Catholic? I know from some of the emails that I get that many of you are exactly where Ed is at. So take a listen to this conversation. And if you'd like to share your story or you have any questions or thoughts, please write me at greg at consideringcatholicism.com. Before we dive into the conversation, I want to invite you to join me for a -a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage this Lent, to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and the Apostles. I'm leading a pilgrimage to the Holy Land to walk where Jesus walked, and to Turkey, the ancient Roman province of Asia Minor, where Paul and the Apostles preached and the Church was established in its first centuries. Now, you can work with our tour operator to arrange air travel from wherever you live. We'll all land in Israel on March 20, 2023. That's just three weeks before Easter. And over the next 10 days, we'll visit all of the major biblical sites in and around Israel. We'll go to Nazareth and the Sea of Galilee to see where Jesus recruited the apostles and he performed miracles and preached the Sermon on the Mount. We'll have Mass on the mountain where Peter, James, and John witnessed the Transfiguration. 
We'll go through the Jordan River Valley and stand where Jesus was baptized. We'll visit the Judean wilderness where he was tempted by Satan, Bethlehem, and the Grotto of the Nativity where he was born. In Jerusalem, we'll go to the Upper Room where he held the Last Supper and appeared after the resurrection. And just before Passion Week next spring, we'll walk where Jesus suffered his passion, from the Garden of Gethsemane to his trial and the Stations of the Cross up to the Rock of Calvary where he was crucified. And we'll see his empty tomb. Now, at that point, you'll have the option of flying home, but some of us will be flying to Turkey for four days discovering the cities of the New Testament, Ephesus and Colossae and Hierapolis and Sardis and Smyrna. This is where Paul preached and planted churches, to which he addressed the epistles of the New Testament. We'll have a priest along with us, and we'll celebrate Mass every day. Now, for the details on prices and accommodations and all of that, go to consideringcatholicism.com consideringcatholicism.com and on the top of the first page you'll see a big Lenten purple banner that says Holy Land Pilgrimage 2023 Join Greg Smith in Israel and Turkey for Lent. If you click on that, it'll take you to the information and sign-up page on the 206 Tours website. Now, to make sure you're a part of our group, make sure that you sign up for the group with my name, Greg Smith, and use the trip code GS110221. I know that we have listeners spread around the United States and in many other countries, and that's no problem. You can work with Liz and their amazing staff to make your arrangements from wherever you live. But time is short. We're leaving on March 20, and, well, as of today, that's less than four months away. If you have any questions for me, shoot me an email. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com. And I hope that you'll join me for the Lenten journey of a lifetime. Welcome to Church Chats with Greg and Ed, where Greg and his Protestant friend Ed chat about the church. We have been doing this for quite a while now. We have. This Seems started like, yeah. way back when I sent you the uh, the rewritten hymn. Oh, I, yeah, I remember that. I rewrote the lyrics to uh, the Church's One Foundation. That was hilarious. To, uh, well, I'll have to blog that. Yes, um, you should put that on the blog. Okay, which showed to me already, now that I think back about it, how far I had already come. Right. And probably in... Um, just in denial that there was really only one option left. And so when you sent me that the first time, I remember turning to my wife and going, he's half in the bag. Right. Well, that's- <laughs> and, I, and I actually had told Corey, you know, who also appears right. on the podcast. I told Corey, I said, Oh, Ed's, you know, Ed's half in the bag. And, right. And Corey's like, ah, this is good. He would be a powerful ally. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there were, and, and you know, the thing is I was running out of places to turn right. and that I just hadn't, you know, it was the last thing I didn't want yeah. to think about. Right. Anyway. So that's been uh, uh, fascinating. It's been like almost uh, a year. I think yeah. it's been a whole year. And I have to say, if anybody is listening to this and wondering where I'm at with this, I'm, I'm very, very drawn to it. And I'm, I can't think of a reason why I wouldn't do this. Okay. Why I wouldn't convert this, this being converting to Catholicism. Yeah, why I wouldn't church. join the Catholic Church. Yeah. But it's a big change. Oh gosh. Yeah, and I have I lived so. in Protestant world very publicly for a long time. So this would change the entire um 
fabric of my life. Yeah. That feels like a cliche to say, but there it is. I can't think of a better word. Um, so I need to proceed slowly. And I know you did. Yeah, when I mean, you it were, changed you were, everything. But you were you were several years before you actually... Yeah, I mean, you know, we'll get into this. There, there were mean, practical reasons to not do it. Well, yeah, I mean, I had... <laughs> my job, right. you know, was being a Protestant pastor and all of my, right. and a writer. And I worked for a Protestant publishing company and I was a right. consultant for, you know, Protestant ministries. And, and right. it was like, it was basically kissing my career goodbye right. and kissing all of my professional networks and colleagues of 30 years right. goodbye. It was basically walking off the cliff. And, and so it was pretty scary. Um, but, uh, but to your point, you know, for myself, it was a slow walk. Right. And I think we'll get into this here in this conversation, but you know, there came this point where, yeah, there was a point where I couldn't, it wasn't like I just woke up one day and, you know, decided to become Catholic or that within, you know, you know, 12 months I went from zero to to a hundred miles an hour. Right. You know, it was, it was really a 20 year long journey. And if, now that I'm doing this and I look back, I think, well, I've been headed in this direction for a very long time. I just didn't see that, right? you know? That, that's the way it was for me. I mean, I think there's a difference between when you're, when you're in it. You know, I think that's just true about a lot of stuff in life, right? You look back and you see how your trajectory in life was leading right. you to a place. And I could look back, after I entered the Catholic Church, I could look back 20 years or more and see how incrementally those steps that I was on steps that were gradually leading me closer with, you know, the the infamous road to Rome. Right. But I was gradually step by step by step in various ways getting there. And I had reached a point my wife and I had where we were kind of ready to do it and sort of accept the consequences, especially, you know, really professional consequences. My, you know, my ability to earn a living. Right. uh, My whole professional world. And yet, we delayed it for three more years after we were essentially had decided to do it for well, right. various reasons. Well, and you know, I don't want to, the balance of this is, you know, I don't want to be disruptive to the world around me that I live in yeah. and my family and all that. Um, but well, neither, no, yeah, but um, neither. Yeah. Well, in my case, like, <clears throat> so, I mean, if we're just going to kind of compare notes here, I mean, so at the time that there, there were all these Again, I, my, my career was working in and around, you know, the Protestant world. Right. But there was one thing that my wife and I did that was really dear to us. For a number of years, we had led a college ministry group. Yeah. Among other things that I was doing, we had a, a group of, uh, long story, but it was a, a, yeah, it was a group of college students that we discipled. And it was, you know, up to at various times, 40, 50, 60 of these students. And there was a core of a couple dozen, you know, that were super important to us. And, you know, we'd seen these kids from, you know, and ironically, that group, Corey, who appears on the podcast, was, right. was one of them, yep. you know, in the early years of that group. Yep. But we just loved these kids and we were really wrapped up in their lives and we were, you know, they just mattered to us. Right. And so we had gotten to this point where we were like, well... I guess I'll deal with the loss of income and deal with the professional right. hits, but I just can't say goodbye to these, right. these students. Right. You know, they would come over to our house for dinner and we would talk about faith and they would graduate from college and ask me to perform their, 
their mar- you know, their right. weddings. And, right. and we just were so involved in their lives. And I, I just couldn't, my wife and I just didn't feel like we could step away from that. And so every year we were for about three years, we were like, this is the year we're going to just I'm gonna resign and my resign my jobs and kind of step away. And then we were like, oh, but the students and so and so and so and so and this, this student and that student. And we just, you know, it's not, we're going to get one more academic year. Right. And then like we'd get through the next spring and they're like, okay, next summer we'll, we'll do it. We'll, we'll pull the, you know, yeah. pull the trigger. And then we'd get to the next summer and like these students, these students are coming back for the fall and these students are coming back for the fall. I'm like, wow, we just one more year. Right. And then, and then one of it was my own son had gotten engaged and asked me to, right. to perform his wedding. And, you know, I'd baptized both my kids and I thought, man, I wanted to be, be right. the person who baptized him and married him. And so we were like, oh, one more year until right. that's over. And then we hit this one year where it was like my son's wedding had happened. And then a bunch of the students that we were closest to were graduating as seniors and weren't going to be coming back. It just felt like there was this break, like the incoming class. It's like, if we're going right. to, if, if there's ever going to do it, this is the time to make the break. And then we just decided to and, and, and pulled the trigger. So I, I guess, you know, to affirm what you're saying, there's, there's, there's a, there's a timing, there's a, a timing of it that feels right. Right. Does that make right. sense? Yeah. I don't want to, to rush in and be disruptive, like I said, and all that, but neither, I mean, there's, there's good stuff here and mm-hmm. I don't want to miss out on it. And I right. don't want, I'm okay with missing out on a blessing because I'm of some sort, because I'm trying to you know, do the right thing. That's all fine. I just don't want to end up thinking, oh my gosh, I've shot myself in the foot. There's no way. Right. Yeah, okay. So I, it's a, it's a balancing act there, right? Well, so, yeah, I'm just trying to affirm. I know you, but let me just, I want to affirm. I think my point of telling my story on that one is that I think that you have to consider those other people in your lives. Right. Those other people in your life. I mean, you know, we're not, you're not an island. Right. And I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of prompts you and says, right. and in our case, there were people in our lives, these students and, right. and whatnot, where we felt like the Holy Spirit kind of isn't giving us permission to go because it, would, it right. would cause this disruption in lives and relationships that right. it's just wait, just we're sent, yeah, since wait one more year, one more year. So my, my plan is to just trust God about this in hope and in the knowledge that he will uh, work things out and I'll, I'll hopefully I'll see it and know it when mm-hmm. I see it. So this leads to a question though. Mm-hmm. Um, how Catholic can I be without actually being a Catholic? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I know I can't participate in the Eucharist, for instance. Right. I know that. Uh, but like, okay, like what about asking Mary and the saints to intercede for me? I mean, right. what about praying the rosary? I mean, right. would it even, would it even work or do I need to be, uh, I need to be confirmed and entered before is like, is like Mary and St. Whoever, they're going to be like, well, no, dude, you're still a Protestant. Just, <laughs> you, don't you don't have the member card. You, you don't have the member card. Right. Exactly. And most importantly to me, um, how does God look on all of this, me doing these things when I'm not part of the Catholic church and where does that leave me? Hmm. Right. Um, so, so, wow, what a good question. Right. And, you know, 
I think this conversation for this episode is, you know, it's kind of personal where right. you're at. Sure. Um, and so, you know, I could give you like doctrinal answers, but I, I think, and I'll, I'll say some things that I think are true, you know, from that standpoint, but just kind of relate it back to what I experienced. Right. I think that I had, in a, as you put it, kind of become Catholic long before I became, right. entered the Catholic church. Right. And uh, I relate, I, I think of that famous G.K. Chester in an essay, uh, Why I Am a Catholic. You know, he was a convert. And he said, well, you know, I could give you 10,000 reasons, but they all boil down to, I came to believe that Catholicism is true. And I think for myself, you know, uh, that gradual movement towards entering the church, the infamous you know, road to Rome, was a matter of starting to gradually believe the truths of the Catholicism and then incorporate those into my life. Right. And that was a step-by-step thing. So I think, you know, when I go back, I started to believe certain Catholic doctrinal truths. Like when you and I have had the, we had the episode about the the Blessed Virgin Mary. Right. And then, you know, we had a follow-up episode because you came to sort of like had this epiphany, right? Right. And you go, I had that same moment, you know, where I was like, oh my gosh, I think this is true. Right. And, and so on and so forth. So one by one, these kind of Catholic doctrines. So in a sense, that was kind of intellectual conversion of believing that a lot of these things were true. Right. And then I was like, okay, so what do I do about that? So I began to incorporate Catholic practices in my life. So I think you and I have talked about this in some previous episodes. You know, I went and got a rosary. Right. You know, I started, you know, to pray the rosary in my car. I YouTubed how to right. pray the rosary. And to your question is, does it work? If you're not a Catholic, of course. Right. right? I mean, right. you know, there's nothing in there, right? I praying to God, praying to our father, praying, right. you know, to the blessed Virgin Mary. It isn't like she's going to say, you know, jokingly, Hey, you don't have your member card. Right. Right. Um, like, you know, so you're going to Costco and you don't have your, right. your Costco they turn car. you away at the door. Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or you can't, you go up to the checkout counter and you want to check out or get the hot dog at Costco right. and they won't sell you the hot dog because you don't have your Costco card. Right. It's not like the blessed Virgin Mary is going to say, uh, I'm not going to listen to your prayer, um, because you've not yet gone through RCA into the church. So I began to incorporate some of those things. I began to pray the rosary and I began to learn some other Catholic prayers. I began to read Catholic literature, mm-hmm. Catholic prayer books. I began to sort of do these things. And, and then I started to go to masses. Mm. Now I couldn't go to Sunday mass because I was working at a church on Sunday. Right. But what I used to do was to slip over uh, to a weekday mass like okay. a noon mass at a nearby parish once a week or twice a week. And so I would kind of just, you know, slip over there and, right. s- and sit in the back. Right. Um, and, I, and I didn't know what to do, really. So right. some of that was, again, going to YouTube and figuring out what the parts of the mass are and, right. sort of, you know, looking that up on the Internet and kind of self-learning because I was kind of trying to be incognito right. and just keep it below profile. But I would slip in the back and I would kind of kneel and genuflect and sit in the thing and I would do the you know, do the parts of the mass that I could do, you know, and kneel. I couldn't go take the Eucharist, but I, I still did the other parts. And, you know, when the blessed sacrament is out, uh, when the, the priest exposes it and elevates it, I, you know, prayed and right. recognized what it was. I, I couldn't participate yet. So I began to incorporate Catholic prayer into my life. I began to incorporate Catholic 
to the best I could Catholic devotional practices and, and I attended masses when I could in some mm-hmm. small ways and began to become familiar with that. And I began to visit some Catholic, other Catholic churches when I was traveling and had the occasion to slip into a Catholic church and walk around. I remember a couple of times I was on trips and I was in some city where there was some big, beautiful church. And I was like, I'm just going to slip in here on my own and walk around and pray right. um, and believe that God would hear my prayers. And I began to incorporate Catholic moral teaching into my life. Mm-hmm. Not that I was doing immoral things you know, right. grossly anyway, but I was like, I started to think like a Catholic <clears throat> in terms of how I right. conducted myself and how I understood, you know, moral truths. And in my case, you know, the irony is, is and I know you were a part of that world because that was back when I was at that church for about three or four years, every time I would teach, whether on a Sunday or a midweek teaching, or even the college students, I was teaching from Catholic commentaries. So I had gotten a catechism at the Catholic church and I was looking at Catholic commentary. So if I had a Bible te- passage I was teaching on or a lecture I was giving, right. you know, in the Protestant church, I was actually going uh, to, to study that passage and figure out what it means and, you know, whatever. I was actually going to Catholic sources. And then I, but I wouldn't right. tell anybody that. Right. I would just stand up and, and say, well, this is what this passage means and blah, blah, blah. And it was kind of funny, like, ha-ha funny, but... Not uh, maybe it was awful funny, but you know, people would come to me afterwards and go, "That was really great." I was there's some new insights in the passage. That seems really great. Like I never th- considered that before. And I'm like, "Yeah, well, you know." Well, you know, I remember you saying, <clears throat> "Excuse me," that you thought that communion should not be served by anyone other than officers of the church, appointed elders, and so forth. And I didn't at the time make the connection at all to Catholicism, but I remember thinking, "Well, I like that. That's, right. that's that seems right." Yeah, I found myself in in that in that time and place where I was, you know, working in the church, or I was working with churches, or I was doing you know college student ministry, or whatever it was. That I just began to incorporate a Catholic worldview and Catholic understanding, mm-hmm. and bringing that to the questions that were there. So you know, back to your original question: How Catholic can you be? Well, yeah, I think my worldview had become Catholic. I think my some of my doctrinal, my doctrinal orientation had become Catholic. I, I, I was incorporating Catholic prayers and practices right. in my life. I was reading Catholic books. I was reading Catholic novels. I was, you know, I was listening to music or, you know, I had a rosary. Uh, I was going, at least slipping away, you know, quietly to weekday masses mm-hmm. now and then uh, in, in a church where nobody knew me. Right. And... And so in some sense I had, but if I go back to, you know, the early church, like, you know, the first centuries of the church, I think there were people who were in this, where they were in this position, you know, the church used to call them catechumens or whatever, but there was a period where people were in, in transition. Right. And I think I was in transition for, for a number of years. And so when I finally pulled the trigger, my wife and I pulled the trigger and we went into, you know, RCIA and RCIA is the, basically the the new members class to Catholicism. And we went into that. It just felt like we were now completing the journey, you know, a journey that we'd been on for a long time. We'd been step by step and that journey wasn't always conscious, but now we were bringing it to fruition and the time was right. The relationships in my life were right. I was ready to step away from the places I was working and the people I was working with. And I was right. ready to step away from the college students. And I was, re- we were just ready to finally do it. And so I guess to back to your question is, you know, there's a time when you feel ready, but I think you can, 
again, begin to practice or incorporate Catholicism and Catholic faith in your life Mm -hmm. as part of a transition to entering the Catholic church. Yeah. I, this gives me comfort because I don't want to, I don't want to do this wrong. And I, you know, I, uh, I don't know if this is a topic for another podcast, but I'm, uh, I'm also just pretty much doing this on my own. Right. You know what I mean? I'm not, I'm not surrounded by other Catholics. I have a few Catholic friends right. and I get some support there and that's great. Yep. Uh, I, ju- I just last night started uh, an online conversation with a uh, real-time friend, a guy, a, a guy I never see anymore. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, long story, but but uh, friendly relationship, and we and we started chatting last night online, and uh, he's he's been listening to the podcast, and he's I'd say he's maybe about fifty percent of the way I of where I am, and and uh, he's half in the bag. He's half in the bag, and I'm like, <laughs> I, he's you know, we were talking about this, and he said, well, you know. I just, you know, I, I suggested that we start a Protestant Anonymous, Protestants Anonymous, <laughs> right. uh, get the t-shirt and everything, recovering right. Protestant t-shirts. Yeah. Um, but we agreed to pray for each other and I'm, yeah. I'm happy for an ally yeah. there. So this gives me, this is good. This, this is wonderful. I'm, I'm not in a hurry. I'm not worried right. about my eternal salvation. Right. I'm, I'm, I want to do this right. I'm sure that God is looking with favor on this. And right. so he will along the way, you know, man. Well, yeah, you know, so we get emails from listeners. Uh, and if you're a listener, please send an email because I'd love to hear your stories or your comments, or your questions, Greg at considering Catholicism.com. But we get emails from people who are listeners of the podcast and are uh, entering the Catholic Church or going through RCIA or trying to get decide whether they should go through RCIA and enter yep. the church. And we had one uh, recently from somebody who they and their wife have been listening to the podcast and mm-hmm. they went to the first session of an RCIA class at a local parish. And I guess it didn't go well the first night. They just didn't make a positive impression. The whatever the leader of the class and how it was organized, how it went off and, and their experience wasn't positive. Okay. And so this individual and I have had a couple of exchanges back and forth. And he said, his wife was like, okay, we'll, we'll go try this. And it it wasn't a positive experience. So she's like, yeah, right. You know, I'm, I'm not in, you know, I'm kind of like ambivalent now about it. And he still wants to keep moving forward. So he's like, so what do I do? Do I pursue RCA, you know, without my wife or do I wait until she's ready? Um, how do I do this? And so, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about that and I don't know that there's a hard and fast answer. I certainly don't have, and I certainly don't think the church has some hard and fast answer about the timing and how you deal with that. I think this is a discernment issue and discerning the Holy Spirit and the timing. But, But I would say that people are going to move down that road to Rome at uneven rates. Sure. And they start from different places. So for some yeah. people, you know, their, their road to Rome is a thousand mile journey and some it's a, a five mile journey. Um, and, and they're going to move at different paces. And, and so, but on the other hand, I guess the only thing I would flip around on that is, you know, you can't maybe, and, you, and whoever's listening, you, you, you can't kind of endlessly 
right. use that as a reason. But look, let's let's be honest. If you've got a spouse, um, right. you know, it's best to, it, ideally, you want to enter the church with your spouse if right. there's children. I've seen people come into the church where their spouse just won't do it. And so they pursue it themselves. But again, those are very personal decisions and right. the timing. And I think most priests and most pastors would say, use a lot of wisdom, a lot of discernment, a lot of judgment, right. listen to the Holy Spirit and believe that the timing will work out. But be that as it may, there's no reason why you can't begin to incorporate Catholicism and Catholic faith and, and Catholic practices into your life, Catholic thinking into your worldview. And there's no reason that you can't engage in going to the Mass, even if you don't take the Eucharist. There's no reason you can't do all of that. And so I think, uh, I, I think in some sense, you, Catholicism can enter your life before you're technically a Well, it, it's, you know, I, there are clearly many things I could be doing. And you just listed them. You know, I could be praying Catholic prayers and I can be seeing the world through Catholic eyes and I can be reading Catholic things, you know, and all of that, that's, there's just no, that's just good stuff. There's, yeah. yeah. There's just no reason not to do that. Well, and you know, going to the mass, you know, uh, every Catholic church, every parish is going to offer a daily mass or almost all of them do. Right. Um, where you can go and slip away at noon for 30 minutes or whatever time of day that they hold it. Uh, a lot of times there's a noon mass and to be able to slip in there and do that. There's a couple of things that, you know, you want to be able to do. I remember, I think you and I talked about this once. One of the things that I couldn't wait to do was to go to my first confession. Right. And that was huge for me to look back and go, wow, there were all right. these things that I just really wanted to not only confess, but hear absolution for. Right. That was really powerful. And of course I wanted to take the Eucharist and, but there was, it was really kind of a good experience for me for a couple of years to slip away and just go to the mass and sit in the back. Right. And for me, just now this is for me and maybe for you, because we both spent a lot of time up on the platform at church sure. in the front. And I remember back in those days, you and I used to talk about how, you know, it gets really weird when you're on the bright side of the lights, right? right. Like ministry up there and doing the show every week. Right. And uh, I had, from the time I was in my early 20s, I had been at the front of the room, leading, right. teaching, giving the sermon, leading the class, leading the Bible study, you know, conducting the worship service, doing the wedding. And it was really wonderful to slip into this little urban parish that I used to go to. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, whatever it was, Wednesdays at noon, slip in the back. Nobody knew me. Right. Sit in the back row and right. just attend mass every Wednesday or every Tuesday, Thursday or something, and then slip out and have, in a sense, not have a role. It, it was humbling. It, it put me in a place where I really focused and I went and worshiped and, and I wasn't getting in front. And so, you know, you can do that. Right. And, and there's also, I think, a discipline accepting that you can't take the Eucharist. You know, let me just point out real quickly that there's, there's other people who are in states of life where they can't take the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. So there are people, there are Catholics who maybe they're in a state of life, like maybe they've got um, an invalid marriage yep. um, or whatnot, where they need to refrain from the Eucharist. And there's people who go to mass for years and years and years and years, not able to take the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And what I found was to go and simply participate in the mass, to worship uh, in the, and, and, and without coming down to receive the sacrament, 
to still participate in the mass and adore the sacrament mm-hmm. was really huge. And I remember one time I went to adoration, which is where the sacrament is exposed and you pray before it. And I, that was really powerful to me. So I think there's a lot of ways that you can begin to do this. But, but then the other thing is just to figure out in your life how, you, how God wants you to move forward, especially with respect to those other people. Yeah. And I, I, I do think there's one thing to say it's like your spouse or something. It's another thing to say, again, for some of us, you're going to have to, there's no way that you're going to, there's no way you're going to get down this road right. without leaving some people and things behind. Well, and for the most, with the case of almost everybody, um, I'm, I'm just rebellious enough to say, well, I don't care what you think. Right. There are yeah. people who in my life who I can't really care what they think. And, yeah. and so I'm going, you know, one of the, you hit on something great. Uh, I realized early on that all of, you know, I have approached God and church, I've approached church by being a musician. Right. That's always gotten me right in to the inside. Right. Immediately. First week. Right. right. There's no place in our little town right. where I can go that it won't be come to light. Yeah. That if people, well, you know, well, what do you, I'm retired. Well, what do you used to do? Ooh, right. you know, can you, well, we need a guy this Sunday, you know? Yeah. And my impression <laughs> is that at just from listening to, uh, from the Catholic weddings I've been to and so yep. forth, that there's really... My, spe- my, my special set of skills is really not of much use. It's like that Liam Neeson thing in Take It. I have a, yes. very, a very special set of skills. Specifics, yeah. It's a cultivator of a long career. That's exactly what and I was I, thinking. <laughs> I play surf guitar. Right. So, so I can do all these things, but I don't, I don't see that there's really much need for them. No, there's not going to be a surf guitar mass. Right. But, right? That's, that's part of the, the brilliance of the whole thing. I thought when I came in, honestly, I never thought I'd be leading a a podcast like this or teaching, you know, Lane or doing the right. things that I'm doing in the church. I assumed when I walked out of um, my Protestant world that I was done teaching and preaching and right. teaching Bible for the rest of my career. I, my full conscious understanding was I had, I left it behind right. because entering the church and being part of the church was more important. It was more important to me for me to be part of the church than to lead the church. Right. And I fully assumed that I would never preach, teach, do anything like this ever again. And it's kind of a God thing how this kind of came back about. But um, yeah, it's... Well, if God asks me to pick it back up, I'd be glad to. I, you know, it's... You, yeah, but, but you got Yeah, but it's real important that you go in and that you enter the church for the right reasons. Right, and I don't... Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's of enormous comfort to me. I, I'm eager to just walk in the back and walk out and then and walk yeah. in and walk back out and not be and not feel like oh, I'm a bad person because it was I'm really not really liberating to yeah, enter liberating. the church it was so liberating to just because from like the time that I first became a Christian and I was working in a campus ministry and I started leading right. like dorm Bible studies and campus right. Bible studies I mean I had been a Christian six to twelve months and I was leading right. Bible studies you know, from my time I was 21 years old right. and I had never not done that. And it was just so liberating to slip into this little urban parish, of, yep. you know, noon or whatever, a couple of days a week and sit in the back and just be part of the church. And yep. I think that was part of my discipleship journey that God wanted right. me to spend some time 
in that place. And right. I didn't try to change that. I didn't like come in and go, okay, I'm going to do this for six or 12 months and then I'll start a podcast or I'll start, you know, teaching right. it, that, that all came about another way and kind of, you know, I, I didn't volunteer. I kind of got asked. So I, I think, I, I think it's good for your soul to, to do the right thing for the right reasons at the right time. There is no uh, fear that I will, that I will, that I'm doing in my own heart, that I'm doing this because I want, I want a place at that table. Uh, you know, as far as like, you know, being up yeah. front or anything, I would be very happy to not be up front anymore. That'd well, be great. And you, you know, again, you're going to leave some things behind. You know, I still have all of these Protestant colleagues. One of them said to me the other day, oh, you know, all of your friends would just love it if you'd stop talking about all this Catholic stuff on your podcast and just make it more like generic Christianity, you know, right. because we all like, you know, we all miss you. And, you know, couldn't you just turn this podcast into considering, you know, stuff or something, you know, and I like, you know, there was no way to bring some of those people along. And I, I just, I just had, I had to, in the end, is discernment of the Holy Spirit of vocation, what God's calling right. you to do, and you had to do right. what you're going to do. And and I was I was grateful enough that my wife came along, and right. we made this decision together. So again, I think you got to find your path forward on that. Yeah, looking, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ed. All right. Thank you for listening. My name is Greg Smith, and if you've enjoyed this podcast. Would you please hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you get your podcasts? And please share it with others. And if you're curious about the Catholic worldview and faith, the Church and its saints, or Catholic history, culture, and art, then visit consideringcatholicism.com. And email me to let me know what you think. Greg at consideringcatholicism.com.